Chapter Sixteen of Forest Days by G. P. R. James. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter Sixteen. In the old castle of Hereford, which, according to the account of Leland, was one of the largest and finest specimens of the military architecture of feudal times, were numerous courts and various detached buildings, so that the number of persons which it could contain was immense, and even when several hundred men were within the walls many of the open spaces and passages would be found silent and solitary. Thus, on the evening of Hudemothema's visit, the chief court, the halls, and the corridors around it were crowded with not less than seven or eight hundred persons, but as one turned one's steps to other parts of the building, the throng decreased, the passers to and fro became fewer and more few, and at length nothing presented itself but untenanted courts and empty arcades in a dark corner of a long passage which traversing one side of the keep under open cloisters passed through a large mass of buildings receiving no light but that which poured in at either end and after being joined by two other arched corridors led out into the court in which prince edward's lodging was situated in a dark corner of this long passage stood two men engaged in earnest conversation just about the time that hugh de motham acquitted the earl of leicester they were both covered with large cloaks and both had their hoods drawn far over their heads so that it would have been very difficult for any one to recognise them unless well acquainted with their air and figure nevertheless they did not seem to feel themselves secure for the instant that they heard a step coming from the direction of the principal court they walked on a few paces and then turned into one of the lateral passages near the mouth of which they again paused and resumed their conversation in a low tone a moment after the tall graceful figure of hugh de mothema passed across without appearing to excite their attention so earnest were they in the matter they were discussing he however turned his head and looked at them steadily but still walked on without slackening his pace some means must be found said one the shorter and the slighter of the two some means must be found and that right speedily or our chance is lost you must have been playing some of your accursed tricks richard replied the other or de montford never would have taken such a step the house of ashby is of too much importance to any cause that its members espouse for even the lowest branch to be treated with indignity without some strong occasion nonsense alured i did nothing replied the other i tell you it was solely and simply upon this old mothma's charge against me on your life and honour demanded his companion on my life honour soul and salvation replied the other well then i am glad of it said the taller speaker i am glad that it has happened for first i will take care it shall rouse my father's anger against de montford and secondly it shall stir him up against these mothamers and i trust induce him to break with them both at all events it will make him forgive my joining gloucester so i repeat i am glad that it has happened i cannot say as much rejoined the first speaker i never care for my part alured about an excuse for anything i am about to do oh there is many a convenient point in having a bad reputation men do not expect too much of you without anybody wondering and then when you are in humour and perform two or three good actions 
lord how you are praised but to the point what can be done now how can we give him intimation of the scheme on oh, my life i know not said the other could you not bribe some woman demanded the taller and more powerful of the speakers they would not stop a woman i suppose right right cried his companion you have put me on the track and i will not miss my game but can you engage any woman you can trust asked the other it must not be some common hireling some minstrel's wench some follower of city fairs leave it to me cried the shorter man if i cannot engage i can make her and that ere another hour be over there is no time to be lost farewell for the present for i must away from hereford to-night and if you intend good allurid to hatch a quarrel with my noble lord hugh let it be speedy for i do not think that twenty-four hours will be over ere i have repaid him some trifles that i owe him i have some plans in my head as well as you so fare you well once more and thus they parted in the meanwhile hugh de Mothama sped upon his way traversed the other court and approached a door at which stood two or three of de montford's officers guarding closely though with an appearance of profound respect the only entrance to the apartments of prince edward while he showed the pass which he had received and mounted the long narrow staircase we shall take leave to precede him for a few minutes to the apartment of the prince it consisted of a suite of several rooms all reached by the same ascent and was in itself as convenient and comfortable as any abode can be from which free egress is denied us the principal chamber was a large and lofty one with two wide windows situated in deep bays looking over the fair scene around the casement was open and seated on a large chair with his feet resting on a stool sat the captive prince gazing down upon a part of the town of hereford and the meadows and orchards beyond the apple trees were all in blossom and every shrub in the manifold gardens had put on the blush of vegetable youth promising rich food in the maturity of the year beyond the meadows and the orchards came slopes and rising ground and lines of deep wood sheltering the intervening space and then high hills were seen fading off into the sky on the left hand the scene was all open but on the right an angle of the cathedral as it then appeared bounded the view while the tower of another church of inferior dimensions rose up under the eye and cut the long straight lines of the houses and other buildings edward leaned his head upon his hand and gazed while at a little distance from him sat a gentleman somewhat younger than himself looking upon him from time to time with a glance of deep interest but keeping silence out of respect for the prince's musing mood the soft air of summer wafted to the window the scent of the blossoms from the fields beyond and edward thought it spoke of liberty uprose from the streets and houses of hereford the manifold sounds of busy life the buzz of talking multitudes the call the shout the merry laugh of idle boyhood and still to the captive's ears they spoke of liberty the bells from the cathedral joined in and rang complines and turning his eyes thither he thought how often he had heard those sweet tones at even close in the happy days of early youth returning from the chase or any other of the free sports of the time his sight wandered on over tower and spire round which the crows were winging their airy flight 
to the deep woods and blue hills flooded with glory from the declining sun still still it all spoke of liberty and edward's heart felt oppressed his very breathing laboured as he remembered the mighty blessing he had lost it was like the sight of a river to a dying man with thirst in the sands of africa without the strength to reach it he gazed and perhaps for a moment might forget himself and his hard fate in a dream of enjoyment but if he did it lasted not long the dark reality soon came between him and the light of fancy and letting his head droop he turned away with a deep sigh and gave up a brief space to bitter meditation then rising from his seat taller by many an inch than the ordinary race of men he threw back his magnificent head and his wide shoulders with a sorrowful smile saying i will walk up and down my chamber declare and fancy i am free i hope you feel better my lord to-night said young thomas de clare the earl of gloucester's brother yes good faith replied the prince i am better the fever has left me but nothing will make me truly well but open air and strong exercise however i am better and i thank you much for i believe you love me declare although you make yourself a sort of willing jailer to me the young gentleman bent his head without reply though there was a faint smile upon his lip which might have puzzled edward had he seen it and after a moment or two declare said somewhat abruptly now i could wager your grace is strong enough to ride some twenty or thirty miles if you were at liberty to do so a hundred answered edward quickly and then added more slowly were i at liberty at that moment some one knocked at the door and on being told to come in hugh de mothama entered the face of the prince instantly brightened ah mothama he cried right glad am i to see you my friend yes my friend for all these factious times shall never make us enemies though we draw our swords on different sides this is my state apartment hugh and that staircase by which you came hither the extreme limit of my principality i wonder that de montford suffered you to see me i almost wondered myself my lord said hugh de mothama for my request was coupled with a remonstrance against your imprisonment and yet added the prince you will remonstrate but not aid to free me my lord i cannot without treason replied hugh de mothama treason to whom demanded edward somewhat sharply treason to the land my lord answered hugh de mothama and to those rights which i know when you are king you will yourself willingly respect i do beseech you my dear lord press me not harshly on a matter where i can make but one reply you are here by the will of four and twenty noble gentlemen appointed lawfully and by the mees of lewis added the prince bitterly but say no more Marthama. i do believe that if your voice might prevail i should soon be at liberty upon my life you would replied the young nobleman indeed you never should have been otherwise for i would have taken your word your plighted word to maintain the rights of englishmen and to aid in no act against them and would have set you free at once well it matters not answered the prince perhaps it is better as it is i know not what i might have promised to buy my liberty if men had asked me but now though fettered in body i am at large in mind and events may yet come to open stronger doors than that 
how fares it with your good uncle he continued he has been somewhat harsh and sudden with his king but still he is a noble gentleman and one of whom england may well be proud eudemothema answered in general terms and the conversation having then taken a turn away from painful subjects of discussion reverted pleasantly to brighter themes their boyish hours rose up before their eyes the sports the pastimes the gay thoughts and heedless jests of youth were recollected edward's countenance unbent his eyes sparkled his lips smiled the prison and its cares were forgotten and for the time he seemed to live once more in the sweet early days of which they spoke the conversation proceeded almost entirely between the prince and eudemothema for though thomas de clare added a word or two now and then they were but few and only served to break through one of those momentary pauses which would have given thought time to return from the pleasant past to the sad present the sun was as i have said going down when eudemothema entered the prince's chamber and ere he had been there half an hour the bright orb had sunk beneath the horizon but in these northern climes heaven has vouchsafed to us a blessing which brighter lands do not possess the long soft twilight of the summer evening and the sky was still full of light so that one might have read with ease in the high chamber of the prince nearly half an hour after the star of day had disappeared it was just at that moment that hugh who was sitting with his face towards the door saw it open slowly and a beautiful girl dressed in somewhat gay and sparkling attire even for those gaudy times entered with a noiseless step bearing a small basket in her hands an expression of some surprise on the young lord's countenance made edward himself turn round and the sight suddenly produced signs of greater amazement in his face than even in eudemothema's he rose instantly however saying what would you my fair lady nothing royal sir replied the girl but to bring your grace this small basket of early strawberries you will find the flavour good she added especially at the bottom where they have not been heated by the sun as she spoke she put down the basket on the table and was retreating quickly but edward exclaimed stay stay pretty one tell me who you are that i may remember in my prayers one who has thought upon her captive prince and striven to solace him in his imprisonment it matters not replied the girl curtsying low and speaking evidently with a country accent it matters not i promised not to say a moment but to give the strawberries and to come away god send your grace a happy even and a happy morning to boot and thus saying she retired closing the door carefully behind her this is strange said the prince taking up the basket and turning towards hugh de Mothema. but the young lord was buried in deep meditation you seem surprised Mothema," said the prince and faith so am i too i never saw the girl in all my days did you declare never replied the young noble methinks i have observed hugh de Mothema gravely and that many a mile hence but i will leave you my lord the gates will soon be shut nay stay and take some of this sweet food said edward which has been brought me not by ravens but by doves not so sir replied hugh staying the prince's hand as he was about to empty the basket on the table may the fruit prove propitious to your grace and to england 
adieu my lord and thus saying he quitted the room abruptly he is right he is right cried thomas de clare there is more than fruit in that basket or i am much mistaken edward laid his hand upon it firmly and fixed a keen and searching gaze upon the young nobleman saying whatever there be in it is mine and for my eye alone thomas de clare but his companion passed round the table bent one knee before him and kissing his hand respectfully said my noble lord and future king you have mistaken me but it is now time to tell you that i am no jailer if i be not very wrong there are in that basket tidings which shall soon set you free as the wind i have already gained from stern de montford permission for you to ride forth accompanied by six gentlemen of his choosing and followed by a train of spears i said that it was the only means of restoring you to health i might have added had i pleased and to liberty now my lord see what that basket does contain and believe me if it cost me my head to keep your secret i would not reveal it thanks declare thanks replied edward we often suspect the honest of being guilty but this time suspicion has taken a different course and i have long suspected thee of being honest now suppose all your hopes are false and he overturned the basket on the table nothing fell from it except the fruit but fastened to the bottom by a piece of wax appeared on closer inspection a small billet folded so as to take the form of the basket it was speedily drawn forth and opened as the reader may suppose but the first words which met the eye of the prince puzzled him not a little the note was to the following effect my lord one of your horses has been stolen from your stable namely the bright bay norman charger but as some compensation in its place has been put a large-boned long-legged grey he is not beautiful to look upon though a skilful eye will see fine points in him but he is strong and enduring and no horse in europe can match him for speed your lordship may try him against what horse you will you will be sure to win the race and should you be disposed to try to-morrow you will find spectators in monnington wood who will receive you at the winning post mark this for it is from a friend would that i knew his name cried edward as he concluded the letter i can tell you my lord replied thomas de clare it is richard de ashby ha said edward as if not well pleased ha richard de ashby he is a faithful subject of my father's i believe but that is all the good i know of him however i must not be ungrateful hark there is a step upon the stairs get the fruit into the basket quick and concealing the note edward cast himself into the chair which he had previously occupied Declare had scarcely replaced the strawberries and set down the basket when a heavy stern-looking man one of the chief officers whom the earl of leicester had placed in attendance as he called it upon the prince entered the room with a silver dish in his hand seeing that a fair lady has carried you some strawberries my lord he said i have brought you a dish to put them in and taking the basket he emptied it slowly into the silver plate thanks ingleby thanks replied the prince with a look of total indifference as to what he did with the fruit methinks if you had brought me some cream also it would have been as well 
"'Your lordship shall have it immediately,' answered the officer. "'They are fine berries, so early in the season.' "'They will refresh me after the fever,' said Edward, "'for still my mouth feels dry.' "'You shall have the cream directly, my good lord,' rejoined the officer, and left the room. Edward and de Clare looked at each other with a smile, and the note was soon re-read and totally destroyed. End of chapter 16